Welcome to Bethel World Outreach Church. Our values are devotion, diversity, and discipleship. Devotion through honoring God by trusting His Word, praying, and worshiping together. Diversity by embracing God's heart for every nation. And discipleship by helping others follow Jesus. So join us as we're reaching a city to touch the world. Would you grab your Bibles and turn with me to the gospel of, well, just stay seated because I'm going to do a lot of reading. Um, it's going to be a little different. This morning I preached the conclusion or just almost preached the conclusion, but uh, I'm going to go to the beginning. We're going to go to Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. We're going to read. Uh, we find these f accounts in all four of the Gospels. And the incident that we will be discussing is what occurred leading up to the triumphal entry, or most people, what most people call Palm Sunday. And although I wanted to start in Mark for chronological reasons, it makes it a little neater for me to begin with Matthew. I'm delighted to have with me today Pastor Dara Blair from our church in Fort Worth, Texas, and also Happy to have Pastor Eric Douglas and his lovely wife with they stand, and they're from Lebanon, Georgia. I mean, Tennessee. I keep putting them in Georgia. Lebanon, Tennessee, Pastor the Fresh Oil Church. Yes, sir. Um, let's start with Matthew. So if you'll turn in your Bibles to the Gospel according to Matthew the 21st chapter, and we will read the first through the sixth verse. Hear the beginning of the reading of God's word. And when they drew nigh unto Jerusalem and were come to Bethphage and unto the Mount of Olives, they entered, then entered Jesus with his disciples two disciples, saying to them, go into the village over against you and straightway ye shall find an ass tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them unto me. And if any man say aught unto you, ye shall say, the Lord hath need of them, and straightway he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, 
saying, Tell ye the daughter of Zion, Behold, thy king cometh unto thee, meek and sitting upon an ass, and a colt, the foal of an ass, and his disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Would you say with me for a thought extrapolated from that second verse uh, where Jesus said, a third verse rather, and if any man say aught to you, ye shall say the Lord hath need of them. Would you look down your row and I need you to say it exactly as I say it. Say neighbor, the Lord, the Lord hath need of you. you. Now y'all didn't say it as a question. See, if you don't say it as a question, it blows the presentation. <laughs> so would you look at him? Neighbor again, we're going to try it one more time. Say, neighbor, neighbor. The, Lord the Lord hath need of you. Need of you. There we go. There we go. Now I can go forward. I want you to notice the detail that Matthew includes in the recapitulation of this story. Matthew tells us their location. He tells us the exact, uh, he gives us the number of disciples needed to complete the task. He gives the exact place where the, they would find the colt and her foal and then gives them permission to loose them and bring them to him. If someone asks, why are you taking the livestock? Simply reply, the Lord hath need of them. Well, the unnamed two disciples go and find it just as Jesus said. And according to Matthew's account, they did not have to tell anyone the Lord has need of them. Matthew does not give that in his retelling of this incident. So let's go to Mark, the 11th chapter. Mark 11, and again, we'll read one through six. It says, and when they came nigh to Jerusalem unto Bethage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth Two disciples and saith unto them, go your way into the village over against you. And as soon as ye be entered into it, ye shall find a coat tied whereon never a man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do ye this? Ye shall say that the Lord hath need of him and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the coat tied by the door without in place where the two ways met and they loosed him and certain of them that stood there said unto them, what do ye loosing the coat? And they said unto him, them, even as Jesus had commanded and they let them go. The stories now are almost identical with the exceptions of a few observations. One, 
we notice that Mark includes, I'm sorry, Matthew includes the mother of the fold. In Matthew, Matthew tells us that you'll find an ass and the fold tied. But Mark simply focuses in on the colt. And adds what Jesus said, Matthew didn't say this, but Jesus said in, Matt, in Mark's account, whereon never a man sat. This is, an, this is an addition to what Jesus said. The third point, Mark only mentions the colt being loosed and brought to Jesus. In Matthew, Jesus said, loose them and bring them. Mark gives us more detail as to where they found the coat. Found the coat tied by the door without. In other words, the, 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 the coat is going to be outside in a place where two streets meet. And fifth, he includes in his retelling of the story that they met with resistance from some of the folk that stood around. Let's go to Luke's story. Luke 19 and 29. 19 and 29. It reads, And it came to pass, when he was come nigh to Bethphage and Bethany, at the mount called the Mount of Olives, he sent two of his disciples saying, go ye into the village over against you, in the which at your entering you shall find a coat tied, whereon yet never man set. Loose him and bring him hither. And if any man ask you, why loose ye him? Thus shall ye say unto him, because the Lord hath need of him. And they that were sent went their way and found even as he had said unto them. And as they were loosing the coat, the owners thereof said unto them, why loose ye the coat? And they said, the Lord hath need of him. Now, Luke the physician uh, pretty much lines up his story with what Mark has said, with the exception of clearing it up that it was not just people that stood around, but it was the owners of the coat. That would be good to know that the preachers aren't stealing. <laughs> they had clearance from the owners of the coat. In every one of these three tellings of the story, Jesus tells them, if any man asks, why are you setting this colt free? Tell them the Lord has need of him. Hallelujah. I don't mean to holler at you. 
But I can tell you now, I'm going to get excited. So don't. So many times in our presentation to God, we try to be humble. But we feel as if it can't be done unless we do it. So we are the gift that God uses. Thank you very much. <laughs> we approach it from that perspective that if I don't do it, who's going to do it? So the Lord really needs me. After all, he endowed me with all of these gifts, all of these talents. And when I look back over my life, I see where he's lined up my steps so that I end up in this particular place. I know I'm sounding as if I'm being sarcastic, but y'all know that's what you all believe. And so <laughs> I am here evidently because the Lord wants me here. And that is true in a sense. But here's where we get trapped and mess it up because we hold God hostage to us. As if God cannot do it without us. I don't know how y'all do down here in Nashville, but I'm from the D. I've been in church long enough that there are some church-isms. It, it, can, it can be a mess. Especially if you have a, a talented family or a, notor, a family of notoriety. They can hold the church hostage. I know y'all don't have that problem here. because Some people feel like they can't sing unless they show up. Some folk feel like you can't really get the finance unless they own the finance team. People feel as if you need me and God has sent me here because you need me. And we limit God to us. And I don't, I don't, I don't, mean, I don't mean to say that God doesn't need you because Jesus said the Lord has need of you. How many believe the Lord has need of them? This is not a fake question. You can answer yeah. Yeah, yeah. He sent two disciples and told them to tell them, if you don't want to turn them loose, just tell them the Lord needs them. Hmm. I'm, going, I'm going to let you get out. But let's go to John. Because I've been waiting to get to John. John is a little different. John 12 and 12. 
And on the next day, much people that were come to the feast, when they heard that Jesus was coming to Jerusalem, took branches of palm trees and went forth to meet him and cried, Hosanna, blessed is the king of Israel that cometh in the name of the Lord. You, you with me now? The 14th verse. And Jesus, when he had found a young ass, sat thereon as it is written. Fear not, daughter of Zion. Behold, thy king cometh sitting on an ass's colt. John cuts out everybody. John doesn't give anyone credit. He puts up there, Jesus found the young ass. I, I hope y'all reading the Bible. Jesus found him and wrote him that he might fulfill the scriptures. Uh, just give me about 15 more minutes. I'm going to put a bow on it. I want you to understand that no matter what you do for God, I want you to do it to the best of your ability. I want you to give it everything you've got. But don't you ever think that God cannot do it without you. My soul says yes. Don't ever think that you can hold God hostage. Because God can pick up whomever he chooses. You got to understand the revelation and the love that John had for Jesus. It was all about Jesus to him. Matthew gives us the lineage of Christ from Abraham to Jesus. Luke gives us the lineage of Christ from Adam to Jesus. John starts his gospel out by saying, in the beginning was the word. He cut out Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Didn't fool with Rahab the harlot. He started Lord have mercy. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry for hollering at you. I don't want to holler. He started and he ended with Jesus. In the beginning was the word. He didn't talk about Mary. He didn't talk about Joseph. He didn't talk about the angel. He said in the beginning was the word. And the word was with God. And the word was God. And the same was in the beginning with God and all things were made by him. And without him was not anything made that was made. And that 14th verse said, and the word became flesh. And the word 
became flesh. I'm trying to watch it. I'm just happy. And dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. As the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. You have to understand the intimacy of the relationship that John desired with Jesus. And it was so noticeable until when the disciples wanted to find out some secrets. They said, John, you ask it. When they wanted to know who would deceive them. They said, John, you ask him. Because he seems to talk to you when he doesn't talk to us. Lord, have mercy. I wish I had time. Uh, but I want you to understand everybody could have had the same relationship. But you got to love him like John loved him. You have to be willing, Lord, have mercy to, to uh, give up some things. The Bible says that uh, Jesus preached to multitudes in so much that he sat in a boat and had to push back because so many folks had followed him. In the words of my brother, Ronald would tell us, I say, Ronald, you went somewhere? He said, yeah. I said, well, how was it? He said, well, you know, I keeps a crowd. <laughs> Wherever Jesus went, he kept a crowd. He always had a throng around him. But in his, in the consummation of his memory, of his ministry, as he is hanging on the cross, I preach a message a few resurrection services ago. We may have great throngs of people. That's the reason you should never get caught up in people. And so often the church is playing the numbers game. I ain't going to disturb you. This is a celebration. But we make a mistake when we judge the authenticity of a ministry based on how many people are following. Because while Jesus was hanging on the cross, the only ones that were there was John and a couple of ladies. Jesus stopped dying, looked down and saw John and said, John, behold thy mother. In other words, I'm giving you charge over my mama. Y'all don't hear what I'm saying. Ah, you can't give someone custody of your mother unless they have a relationship with you. That you know they're going to love you like you love her. John, and I'm finished. John had a history of uh, not being ashamed of his feelings. I know y'all look nice. And you may feel something. But you don't want to be labeled one of them people. 
you don't, you don't want to be labeled one of those folks that love God. I, I'm, 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 can I share one? So we're at our first church perfecting. We're at, uh, yeah, we're at uh, West, what is called West now. And we had begun, the church just grew. We started with three o'clock service and you couldn't get in it. You couldn't get near it. Then we started at 1045 and then that blew up. You couldn't get near it. You couldn't get in. So I had to start an eight o'clock service. So I started an eight o'clock service and it started growing too. And one day at eight, presence of the Lord was there. It was just great. I mean, we were just praising God and ugh. Didn't look like I was going to be able to preach. And Pastor McClurkin was standing there next to me. And I looked in the back. And I saw a man doing somersaults. And I, you have to understand, I was in the spirit. But I came out. <laughs> True story. And I'm looking, and Donnie McClurkin was standing right there. And he looked at me and said, Pastor, are you okay? He goes to fussing. I said, Donnie, there's a man doing a somersault in my church. Donnie got so angry, he said, Pastor, stop. The President of the Lord. I said, I'm not playing. And at that time, I said, look, he was coming back. <laughs> he, he did a somersault the other way. And I had to gather myself again. Long story short, his name was Charles Robinson, but they nicknamed him Motown. My nephew, they nicknamed him Motown. And so after the service, after we finished the service, I went out to meet the people. I said, how you feel? He wasn't a member then. He said, I'm fine. He, he had actually gotten saved at the watch night service the night before we were at Word of Faith then, what is now our church. And so he had got saved and he had come to church, but he hadn't joined. And so I'm standing there and I'm saying, how you doing? He said, fine. I said, I've been in church a long time. <laughs> and I've never seen anyone do a somersault. I wasn't prepared for his answer. He said, Pastor, the Lord asked me, would you do a somersault for me? And I said, yes, Lord. And he went. He got to the other side and said, will you do it again? He said, yes, Lord. I said, sir, I understand. Because I felt his sincerity. Just be careful. God, I couldn't stop him. I know some people will get upset 
because you want to show God how intently you love him. The disciples had that same problem. Evidently, in the sidebars, when they would talk among themselves, John had garnered a reputation for being extra. Because what I discovered is people want you to act like they act. And they want to limit you to how you feel, how they respond to God. So John had uh, garnered a reputation for being extra to the point that after Jesus had been resurrected from the grave, Peter is in a conversation with Jesus by himself. And he looks at Jesus and says, what about John? He asks Jesus, what you gonna do with John? Because sometimes in the church, we're so concerned about position until the position overwhelms our relationship. So they said, what about John? Jesus looked at him and said, what about him? If I say that he should stay here till I come back, what, what do you just feed my sheep? You just do what I called you to do. And he left that conversation. He started a rumor. John ain't going to die because Jesus said he's going to be. <laughs> you can't stop people from talking. And they don't need to know what they're talking about in order to talk. John was in love with God. Lord, have mercy. And in the third chapter of 1 John, he said, Beloved, what manner of love is this? That the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. And let every man that hath this hope purify himself even as he is pure. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, the Lord has need of you, but you really need God. The Lord had need of you, but you really need the Lord. When it boils down to your willingness, it all boils down to your willingness to tell God yes. Religion will limit your yes. It will tell you you can follow God till it becomes inconvenient with your career. It will tell you that you can say yes to God 
until it prohibits your future with the company you now work with. And folk don't have a problem coming out of the closet with everything else, but they want you to stay in the closet with God. They'll call you fanatical. Uh, I'm trying to act like I'm not at perfecting. I want you to know that all of the facts that Matthew, Mark, and Luke gave us are, are essential to giving us a well-rounded view of the earthly ministry of Jesus Christ. But don't ever get it twisted to think that you can hang God out to dry. No matter how much money you have or how much influence you dispel. Luke says it this way in Luke 19, 39, as they were praising Jesus during this same triumphal entry. Some of the Pharisees among the multitude said unto him, Master, rebuke the disciples. And he said, and I paraphrase, you might not want to do that. He answered and said unto them, I tell you that if I hold, if these should hold their peace, the stone would immediately, y'all missed that, that's the whole point. The stones would immediately cry out. You see, God is not limited to your praise. He gonna get the glory. He has six-winged cherubims, cherubims in heaven. All they do is praise him. He's worthy whether you sit there with your mouth shut or not. I got to go home now. Immediately, he said the stones would cry out. I've preached all this to say that the Lord has need of you. But you really need the Lord. And as long as you need him, I might as well go home like I came. I said as long as you need him, and as long as you know you need him, the more you go after God, the more God will give you what you need. I was talking to a pastor and he's always giving. My, my birthday was March the 5th, but don't worry about that. We're here for his birthday. And so he called me and sent something for my birthday. And so I called him. I said, oh, thank you, doctor. You didn't have to. He said, oh, no, no, no. He said, you know what I've discovered? He said, I discovered that when you give somebody something, their response will cause you to give more. I said, what do you mean? He said, uh, there was this lady that cleaned his house, worked on it, and, and he, he brought her up. She said some other lady, this older lady that lived in the home was a member, and she said hi. And he said, she said hi? He said yes. He said he went in his pocket and told her, said, here, give her this, and gave her some money. 
And when the, the woman went to give her the money, she had a phone and she filmed it. Said the lady fell out of the chair and just was so appreciative, she just started rolling on the phone. Thank you, thank you, Pastor. Thank you, thank you, lady. So when he came back to show her that, he said, Oh, give us some more money. <laughs> you see, a lot of us, we thank God, but we're very conserved. We're conservative in how we release the praise. I want to thank God because without him, I would not have been able to make it through. Thank you, Father. But imagine what God would release to you. If you just praised him like he's worthy to be praised, come on, open your mouth and give God a shout of praise. Don't worry. Don't worry about your neighbor. Don't worry about what they think about you because they couldn't get you out of the trouble you was in. It was God. And so the Apostle Paul sums it up in Philippians 3 and 7. But what things were gained to me, I counted them for loss for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord for whom I have served the, suffered the loss of all things and do count them but dung that I might win Christ and be found in him not having my own righteousness I don't hear nobody talking to me oh, Lord I'm glad you're living right I'm glad you're behaving decently but oh don't you ever think that it's you that's doing it it's Christ I need somebody to help me preach look at your neighbor and say neighbor it's Christ that's inside of me say yes oh yes oh yes not having my own righteousness which is of the law but that which is through the faith of Christ the righteousness which is of God by faith and here it is that I might know him anybody here this morning want to know him look at your neighbor and say neighbor I'm happy to meet you but I really want to know Christ I'm happy to know all the rules of Bethel. I'm happy to be a part of what you're doing. But what I really want, I want to know him. I got to quit. I want to know him. I want to know him in the power of his resurrection. I 
want to know him in the fellowship of his suffering. Look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, I came to church because I want to know him. Now lift your hands and give him a shout of praise. Come on, come on, don't stop, don't stop. The pastor told us that they put him out of his church. But isn't it wonderful to know you don't have to accept me into your club, but it doesn't stop me from knowing who he is. God's got better. Look at somebody and say he got better. I know you all right, and I got to go to my seat. Where's Pastor James? But God has got better. Look at your neighbor and say better. Eyes haven't seen is having heard neither has it entered the hearts of men the things that God has prepared for them that love him do you love him do you love him I love him, 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 on a Sunday, on a Monday, on a Wednesday afternoon, I love him when I'm awake, I love him when I'm asleep, I love him in the trial. I love him when it's on easy street. I love him. Shake your neighbor's hand and say, I love him. I love him. I love him. I love him. All those that love him, praise him.